Good morning. Wow, what a great time in worship this morning. Just appreciate our team leading us. I just had a great sense of somebody in the room today or perhaps online that as you've come into this January season and now we've rolled over to February, can you believe it, February already, but that your heart had been coming into this new year for a fresh start and a new beginning. And I just want to encourage you, if that's you this morning, that you listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you about he's leading you forward. He's not taking you backward. He's a God of the forward motion, forward movement. The enemy would love to take you back to where you've been and remind you and tell you that that's where you are. You just tell the enemy, that's not where I am. Today I'm in the house of God and I'm moving forward. Say forward. Forward. I'm starting a new uh, series today as we've just been talking about. And uh, let's just pray. Father, I thank you just for the great things that you've already done here. I, I, Lord, I, it just feels like that hearts have been touched, bodies have been healed already, and Lord, emotions of people who, in their brokenness of life and in our brokenness of life, we come and we present it to you, and yet, Lord, it's beautiful that you don't give us back the brokenness, but beauty, Lord, for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. Thank you for that exchange today, and we receive it. As Christina admonished us a few moments ago, we receive, Lord, what you give us today in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. That was a little weak. Amen? amen. There you are. <laughs> hey, I want to talk this morning on this word uh, fellowship, and uh, let me lead up. Today, I'm just going to lead into uh, this series about relationship killers, and I realize I want to talk about what it is we don't want killed. Um, and so we're going to start there just one Sunday, set it up, and then we'll jump into some of the words you saw, like gossip and envy and comparison and judgment uh, that we want to guard our hearts from, our relationships from, and we want to guard the house of God from. 21 years ago, this March, coming up, 21 years, Harvest was born. And Christine and I prayed carefully and considered what the new infant church's name should be. And of course, if you're here today and you've seen it in, um, uh, on our screens in different places, Harvest Christian Fellowship. And we sometimes just refer to ourselves as Harvest for short. The name was, the name was and it is super important, and I just want to highlight it. The word fellowship is in, the, in, our, in our name, and so I'm going to get there. The Christian part, kind of self-explanatory, in that uh, 21 years ago, a uh, non-denominational, autonomous, charismatic church showing up in eastern Ontario uh, in this region, that was a little bit different, and for some people, a little edgy, maybe uh, fringy, maybe cringy, I don't know. But certainly the idea of a style of church with freedom and worship um, and approaching, approaching the gospel the way uh, we've approached it so that it's relatable, people can understand it, uh, what seemed a little different to some people who had maybe uh, a traditional church background. So we wanted to make sure Christian was in the name so people knew that we were Christians. That, that was important, and we kind of put that in the middle of the name. But the word harvest, uh, and and going to get to fellowship in a second, but as we unpack, and maybe you're hearing this for the first time, and I encourage you to go to Seeds, if, or excuse me, to uh, first step one, if you're new to our church, um, online or in the room, and to understand some of these things about our beginning. But harvest, harvest was the name of, uh, of our church is more than our mission. It's an understanding of who we are as the local church, and that the scriptures are clear that Jesus is coming back 
for his church. How many know that Jesus is coming back for his church? Good doctrine. We'll talk a little bit about that in our basic doctrine course that we're starting if you sign up for my small group. And uh, there's so many different interpretations and ideas of what happens at the end. And I actually think it's super important that we look to the scriptures and understand. This verse in Acts, I'm talking about just the harvest piece. I'll get to fellowship in a second. For he, speaking of Jesus, must remain in heaven. Remember that Jesus ascended uh, as the church was born. His disciples saw him go. They're staring up and they're going, so what happens now? And the angel said, don't be looking up there, but pay attention down here. There's a lot of work to do. And a lot of work to do was coincided with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the birthing of a very powerful um, first century church that has continued to this day. And so as Peter's preaching, he says, he, Jesus, must remain in heaven. Say, must. So Jesus, there's on a, a timetable in terms of his return to the earth. And his return to the earth is not being triggered by all the bad things that are happening on earth. If you look through history, bad things have been happening on planet earth since, since sin began in the garden. And so the amount of sin on the earth is not the trigger point to, re, to get Jesus to return, although some would have us believe that. The scriptures say different. The scriptures say he must remain in heaven until the time Say the time. On God's time, God's timetable for the final restoration of all things. For the final restoration of all things. As God promised long ago through his holy prophets. And Jesus said that there would be wars and rumors of wars, but he told his followers, and he tells us this morning, that that is not the earmark of the end of the age. That the end of the age would be earmarked by something glorious, something wonderful, something fantastic. And though there would be wars and rumors of wars, and there would be tribulation on the earth, those are the things that would be throughout history and not the things we're to focus on. Instead, we're to focus on he's staying in heaven He's waiting. What's Jesus waiting for? He's waiting for the final restoration of what the prophets spoke. Listen now about his house, about his house, about the work that the church would do on the earth, the greatest moment of the church on planet earth. We're Harvest Christian Fellowship. In the last days, here's what the prophets said. In the last days, say last days. And I don't know if that's tomorrow or the next day. I just know we're closer today than we were yesterday to the culmination of God's plan on the earth. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all. Mountain speaks of places of influence. The mountain of media today, the mountain of education, the mountain of government, these are all high places in our society of influence. But the scriptures say that in the last days, the mountain, that the place of influence called God's house will be the highest of all. Somebody say, the highest the most influential, the most powerful, the most important place on the earth. I would suggest to you that right now in time and space that the Lord's house has not fulfilled that. We're not in the fulfillment of the Lord's house being the most important place on planet earth. But that is a promise from heaven that's holding Jesus in heaven until... It will be raised above the other hills, the other places of influence, and people from all over the world will stream there, where? To the house of God, to worship. People from many nations will come and say, 
And as for a number of years, the 1040 window, uh, uh, that's a window of latitude and targeted by uh, churches in the West to bring the gospel all over the world. And quickly, we're getting to the place where every single nation and every language has heard about Jesus and has a Bible in their language. We're, we're closing that, that gap. It's happening today. People from many nations will come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob. Let's not go to the other mountains. Let's go to the mountain of the Lord to find out his ways, uh, and he will, we will walk in his paths. Harvest, Christian fellowship. Um, I just want to preach on the harvest part, but I'm going to get to the fellowship, I promise. Jesus told us in Matthew 13 that in the last days, there would be a culmination of the greatest ingathering of human souls to the heart of God that history has ever seen. And Jesus named it. He actually gave a name at the end to what this would be called. He said, the end will come, but not before the harvest. Say harvest. Oh, that's a great name. The Lord isn't being slow about his promise, we read in the scripture. What promise? The promise of the Old Testament, of his house being, and many, many other promises. He's not being slow about that, as some people think. No, He's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, and that word destroyed means to be eternally separated from God. But it wants everyone to repent. God has waited until a moment in history. There are more people breathing air today than all of the graves combined. That's a mathematical fact. You can Google it. You can fact check me. We have more people breathing air right now than all of the graves of hum humanity before us. Why? God's waited for a moment to draw in hearts and souls so that heaven would be a populated place, that the earth would know of the goodness and the fullness of our God. And so James, teaching his church, said in the New Testament, therefore, say therefore, harvest, be patient until the coming of the Lord. We're going to be patient as well, doing the work of local church. Why? Because we're heading to harvest. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. When a farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, what do we call that time of the year? Yes, yeah, some of you are listening. <laughs> Can we just put that in there? Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Well, what's, what's holding the coming of the Lord? Harvest. See how the farmer waits God is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. Rain is an outpouring from heaven. During, um, during the, uh, the, the birth of the church, which we're going to look at and finally get to the word fellowship, um, but I couldn't do that without doing Harvest Christian Fellowship. In the, in the scriptures, we read about an outpouring that came on the day of Pentecost, which birthed the church, and it was called the early outpouring or the early rains, according to the scriptures that are holding Jesus in heaven until. But at the end of the age, there would begin to be outpourings all over the world, which we read about and we're getting excited about, that there are outpourings of God's Spirit and people coming to know Jesus. Uh, Christianity is still the fastest growing uh, religion on planet Earth because God's pouring out His Spirit. Say, pouring out. 
and he's pouring out in these latter days more than he poured out in the early days, and it's called the latter rain, or the rain in, the, in, in Israel's calendar, an early rain that got it going. But then there was a later rain in the calendar where all of the crops would be gathered into the barn, and another uh, harvest season would have come and gone. So he said, just like that, you be patient, because we're living in the day of outpouring. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Haggai, I promise that the glory of the latter house of God, the one we're living in today, it will be greater than the former house of Acts. If we truly believe that, then we can embrace our name. We are Harvest Christian Fellowship. Just put your hands together today for a God of harvest. These are the days of outpouring. People are getting saved, not only here at our church, but all over, and we believe it's only going to increase. Now you know why we named the name. Well, let's go to fellowship, and that's where I'm going to park today. Because we weren't just going to be on mission. Because you could see, I get super excited about the prophetic sense of the word harvest. Um, other churches share it, and I don't know if they share our understanding of scriptures of why we chose that, but we chose it. I just, uh, excuse me, unpacked it because we believe God was pronouncing on us that we were to live in this hour in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, as Pastor Russ just uh, adequately preached, uh, wonderfully preached in our spiritual emphasis days. But we weren't just going to be on mission. We would also be a family. We would be a fellowship, Harvest Christian Fellowship. And today I'm starting this new series called Relationship Killers. I want to set up how beautiful the gift is of God's family. The family of God's an amazing spiritual reality. Really, it's, a, it's really a supernatural entity. There's nothing that can be reproduced on planet Earth. Nothing that man can reproduce, no fraternity, no brotherhood, no group, no organization that has the potential for community the way the local church does, God's house, God's family. And we're going to see the importance of that today, and um, I'm going to unpack a Greek word um, that's translated in the New Testament uh, in English, fellowship. Um, I'm going to look at that. It's the Greek word koinonia. And I'm just going to actually stop saying fellowship and use that Greek word koinia because we don't have any English equivalent. We have four or five words it gets translated to. And by looking at I did all the work for you. We'll look at the scriptures and I'll unpack. Really just highlight why we would want to protect fellowship or protect koinia. We're going to look at, as you saw on the screen, gossip, offense, and unforgiveness, envy and comparison and judgment. Hopefully, we'll cover them all as we lead up to Easter and unpack the things that keep us from experiencing true Christian community. And we're believing God for a great Easter where his voice will call home many people that need to come home. Amen? Aren't there a lot of people that just need to come to the house of God and know of his love and goodness? So we're going to get ready for that um, because... If we're not experiencing it, then we really have nothing to show the world in terms of the outliving and the outworkings of that. We say here at Harvest, we want people to belong before they believe. They can only belong to a room full of people, but once you believe, something supernatural happens in your heart that knits you in as we're going to see. So the birth of the New Testament church on the day of Pentecost was glorious. And uh, we also embrace that this is increasing. 
and that's why I took the time to unpack the harvest word, that the glory of God in his church is to be increasing, not diminishing, not people leaving church, but people, which statistics show that people are doing, but God by his power and his Holy Spirit hovering over the church, increase in power. And that's what we saw. Those that accepted his message, Peter's uh, message on the birthday of the church, were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000. I often will tune in. There's a couple of churches that I really um, love the, what they're modeling, and I'll tune in to see what they're doing and how they're doing it. We can always learn and do things better. And, but I always love at the end of the service, where they, as we do at Harvest, where we give people an opportunity to give their lives to Christ. And some of these large churches that are in the tens of thousands, and they go, uh, you know, raise your hand today if you want to receive Jesus. And it takes about four to five minutes for the pastor to go, yes, 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 yes. And I weep every time. I do. I just like, oh, my, this is my favorite part. I can't imagine seeing 3,000 people in one meeting say yes to Jesus. I love it when one person says yes, but I don't know. I just think it would be super. Wouldn't it be super exciting to, yeah, I mean, come on. And so there they are. And so they, it starts in that excitement, and it starts... And it says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking bread and to prayer. And I think we can get the teaching part, and the, and the breaking bread is the communion table uh, and, and prayer. We kind of get those things. But what did they devote themselves when it says they devoted themselves to fellowship? I grew up in church, and fellowship really is one of those Christian words that has no context outside of church. At least I don't think I've ever heard it outside of church. I mean, even when I was working different jobs that weren't church-related, I never heard the guy say after a day of construction, hey, um, you want to come with us? We're going out for some beers and wings, and we're going to have incredible fellowship as we uh, cheers and eat some wings. I mean, have you ever heard the word fellowship United with beers and wings. Like, no, it, it's, it's really, it's kind of this churchy word. It's not supposed to be, but it's become kind of this churchy word. And where I grew up in church, it was what we did after church. You had church fellowship after church. In fact, many churches had a hall in the church, not in the auditorium. It was separate. And it was identified as the fellowship hall. And in the fellowship hall, that was a designated place, which really was a big hall and a big place meeting. This is where we're going to eat food after church. And the form in which you would eat the food was called potluck dinner. Potluck dinner. When I was a kid, I would watch for Mrs. Clark and her casserole dish because, man, could she cook. And so, honestly, we would, we would be watching the parking lot. Here she comes. And you would identify her casserole dish because, man, it was good. And you had to, like, fight to get there, you know, to get her, get the food out of her casserole dish. And you would identify it. And it was like the one with the chickens on it. And now I know that was vintage corningware casserole dish. And she had her oven mitts on, and she would bring it in and set it down in the fellowship hall. Man, we would make a dead run to that. If at the end of the dinner, the fellowship dinner, after church, if your casserole dish had food in it, it meant you suck. <laughs> and you can't cook. And, and that's a problem. And so we're going to really be nice about it. But 
you would recognize and realize that you suck, and so you wouldn't claim your dish. You would leave it there. And somebody would come along and say to you, Susie, that's your dish, isn't it? And like Peter denying Jesus three times by the campfire, you would lie through your teeth and say, no, I do not know what you're talking about. Church fellowship. And then, there was, then there was those folks, we love those folks, that before church would stop off at KY Fried and bring in the Kentucky Fried Chicken bucket, a bucket of chicken and coleslaw and cookies bought from the store. It was awesome. And it wasn't because they couldn't cook. It was because they forgot. They forgot it was potluck Sunday. And so they stopped by the store and bought some stuff. We had fellowship in the fellowship hall. Anybody relate? Anybody have memories this morning? Anybody lie about your casserole dish? Still in the lost and found? When Christine and I went to New Testament Church in 1990, it's our sending church, the overseeing church. We refer to it often, affectionately, as our mother church just over in Messina, New York. Spent 12 years there. Our, um, we not only grew in our understanding of what the word fellowship meant, because it was really a strong teaching there, and it was in the foundation of that church, and we lived it out. We just didn't hear the teaching. There was practical ways to live out. It was our first time experiencing small groups and, and not just sitting in rows, but to sit in circles and, and, and to begin to build relationship and do life one with another and to build community as God intended it. And we were determined that we would bring that with us uh, here and we would do life with people in the house of God. And so we would be harvest Christian which would have nothing to do with food. <laughs> but we wanted it to be here in the foundation as well. They devoted themselves to fellowship. What was it they were devoting themselves to? And this morning, let me just put that word in koinonia. You'll see it on the screen. I'm probably saying it wrong because I don't speak Greek. Um, but it's transliterated, meaning we'll just give the Greek letters an English equivalent because there really is no translation for this word. And by looking at all of the times it shows up in the New Testament, we can put together an understanding of how important, and that's about as far as I'm going to get today. I just want you to know how important God intended community to be in his local church. And so 1 John unpacks this idea, and he says, we proclaim to you what we've seen and heard. And what I've done in the following scriptures is simply taken the word fellowship out or whatever other English word they've used, and I've, I want you to see the word koinonia as it appears in the Greek text, but here in our English text. We proclaim to you what we've seen and heard, so that you, may, you also may have koinonia with us. So we're preaching the gospel so that you can have this thing that they devoted themselves to called koinonia, so that you can have it too. The purpose of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ is so that you can have koinonia with us. It's a pretty bold and strong statement. And our koinonia that we're sharing with you, our koinonia that we're declaring to you and preaching to you, that comes from the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. If we claim to have koinonia with God, and yet we walk in darkness, in other words, our lifestyle does not uphold the pledge of love that we've given God. We talked a little bit about that last week. 
that our pledge of love to Jesus doesn't line up. Our relations, our outliving of our life doesn't demonstrate that we're in a love relationship with Jesus. So he said, if that's the case, then you're in darkness and, and we lie and we don't have koinia. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have koinia with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. This really uh, would take several weeks to unpack, and it really is for in 1 John a, a theological treatise of uh, this whole concept that I'm going to unpack and just, as we've read it, kind of paraphrase it for you, but give you the highlights in about 30 seconds, and it's this. When we receive salvation, the very life of God comes into us. God doesn't extend your life or give you better quality of life when you became saved. Oh, now I go to heaven and I live eternally. So God added eternal life to me. He added it to me. I'm living my life. I was separated. I understand. I got saved. Now I'm going to heaven. No, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me, the scriptures say. When I got saved, I died. That's why we get water baptized, to identify with the death, the burial, and then the resurrection of Jesus. The truth of salvation is it's not my life anymore, but his life in me, that spiritual life in me. When we receive salvation, you literally got Jesus' eternal life in you. You are given his life. God's life in you is your common union with Jesus. What do you have in common with Jesus? Nothing. You're a sinner. (laughs) I'm a sinner. But what do I have in common with Jesus? When I identified with him, I become part of the family of God. What we have in common with him, you can think of it this way, is his blood runs through my veins. Now, not literally, but his spiritual life is in me. My common union, my communion with Jesus is his life. So when we, uh, we understand as we come to the communion table, what is it we're celebrating? We're celebrating that I have common life with Jesus, therefore I have common life with you. I have common life with you, therefore I have, a, I have something in common with you. And it's just not that we believe the same stuff. Which, which it's, in some circles, you have to believe the same stuff to belong together. But the Bible doesn't say it has anything to do with what you believe in the terms of, uh, uh, I mean, yes, we have to believe in Jesus Christ and him, uh, him crucified and the, the, generality, the, the very specifics and the basics of the gospel. I don't want to go off track here. But there are people that you can't, there are churches that you can't belong to unless you adhere 100% to what they might think that they believe in scripture chairs should be blue in the church. Therefore, we have blue chairs and you can't drink coffee here. But we, this is a coffee drinking church. You can drink coffee. And, 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 and so some people scrutinize it down. And that, but wait, hang on. Those are things that separate. But what unifies us, what draws us together is our common bond of spiritual life. Say spiritual life. And that sharing, the sharing of that is called koinia. The sharing. Not having it. That's not koinia. The sharing in it and of it. When you have a relationship with Jesus, you're having fellowship, you're having koinia. With each other, koinia. They're exactly the same. Koinia is not a social activity. 
It is first and foremost relationship with God and each other because we share a common life in Christ. How are we doing? I know it's tedious. I want to unpack this. I don't often kind of go line upon line. Uh, We're doing it. You've got notes. This is important. Otherwise, as we move forward, and I talk to you about gossip, well, who cares about gossip? I do that once in a while. Yeah, what, 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 yeah, but, as we're going to see, if that's destroying koinonia, you're coming against the very thing that Jesus died for. And we want to give life to it, not take it away, right? All right, so, on the day of Pentecost, they somehow, as they start to devote themselves to this, multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi-religious backgrounds, no longer ignoring each other, divided, we go to a black church, I go to a white church, I go to this kind of church, you go to that kind of church. They didn't have that because their ethnicity wasn't first and foremost. Their common life in Christ became the very top pinnacle of all they were and all they believed. The ethnicities and all of the other things came second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, whatever. And we prioritize our common unity, which was what makes the house of God strong. They devoted themselves to koinia. Ephesians says, grow up in all things. Yeah, I want to unpack this. Last big one, and then I got to be done. Ephesians, the book of the local church, how to build church. You want to know how to build a church? Read Ephesians. We're to grow up in all things. Say grow up. Yeah, so spiritual growth is important. It's important to Jesus. It's important to the New Testament. It's important to us at Harvest. We want you to grow. We want you to grow spiritually, emotionally, in every way. Grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. They devoted themselves to teaching. Teaching is great. And we, I love to teach, and we will always uphold apostolic teaching in the house of God as we build a house. But I'm not going to emphasize teaching. Sometimes I'll say things like I'm going to say right now. I've been to churches that emphasize teaching, and there is zero growth. Zero growth. Baby Christians who are neck deep in years and years and years and years and years of Bible being thrown at them, the seed of the word being thrown at them from the pulpit, drowning in it, then they throw it at, e- they throw it at each other in Bible studies and whatever, but they're not growing because they've devoted themselves to one part of what we need to devote ourselves to, and they haven't devoted themselves to growing in Christ. Oh, brother, 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 brother Roy, uh, Pastor Roy, um, that's the Word of God that does that. Uh-uh, not according to what I just read. It says that the whole body grows, It gr- say grows, The whole body grows because it's joined and knit together. And at the joining of the body, at the joining of people, there's a supply. And that supply, because of koinonia, because of the sharing of the life that we have in Jesus, there's an effective working that every part is doing its share, causing growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. 
We need, the word, we need to be devoted to teaching. But teaching alone will not cause a church to grow in discipleship and becoming what the house of God to be chief again in the mountains. And so this morning is just about looking at the scriptures and realizing, wow, like the Bible really says a lot about we're to share. There's a potential, but we've got to step into it. And growing, I spiritually grow because I'm connected to other believers and we're actually sharing. I don't want to be a church that's an Ikea church. Every Sunday, we back up the truck that says church on the side and it backs up, beep, 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 And then all of the people, all the parts of the church get dumped onto the ground with all the labels on them, but we don't assemble any of it. We sing, we have a meeting. That's not church. It's part of the expression of worship. But until Peter said, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a spiritual house. Which house? Which house is the spiritual house? Oh yeah, the one from Isaiah that's chief again on the mountains. Harvest Christian fellowship. Both words important. Christians just shoved in the middle because we want people to know we love Jesus. <laughs> Koinia is not just an understanding of needing to be close in proximity. Koinia is living out relationship and walking it out and there's other words and I don't have time and I knew this would happen and I would just whet your appetite and there's, there's this part of it is sharing and generosity and look at this verse, because of the service by which you have proved yourself, Corinthian church, who took up a monetary uh, gift for a church that was hurting. They said others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your koinia for your generosity and sharing with them. The taking money and giving it to others is super, in the name of, we wanna help you supernaturally because we share, we have koinia. It's powerful. Partnership, we're on mission together. So much more I could unpack. Can we just say together koinia is important? We wanna protect it. In fact, I think we're, we're supposed to grow in it a little bit more. I think we're supposed to be in one another's homes a little bit more. Small groups needs to become a little more vibrant than it is right now. And if there are reasons that are holding it back, we'll, 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 we'll fix that. But let's, let's open our hearts to be a, a fellowship, a church where we're being knit and placed together because that's where growth is going to happen. I want to read a summary statement with you. Look at the screen. Summarize today. Not only is fellowship not mere conversation after a service or even attendance in the service itself, it is first recognize and enjoying of our real familial relationships with each other. And second, partnering together as a unified whole to accomplish the mission of our Father, Harvest Christian Fellowship. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Hey, today's just a day to kind of set things off and get them going. And just in the moments I have, because I don't have any left, we want to 
allow second service to be able to come in and have another service today. But in the, this moment, as we just pause and we're not rushing anything, if you're here today, you've never given your life to Jesus, your old life, your sinful life, and exchanged it for his life, a new life. The Bible says that the greatest deal on planet Earth was that exchange. He said that though your sins are like scarlet. In other words, an Old Testament scripture I'm referring to, that our sins stained our life, scarred our life, going our own way. Maybe you're here today saying there's gotta be more than what I'm living. There is. The Bible says even though we've gone our own way, messed up our own lives, so your sins are scarlet, they can be white as snow. He wants to wash you today. He wants to take your rags and give you a robe of righteousness today. It's a real thing. And it begins by you acknowledging, I need Jesus today. If you're in the room or online, just a simple simple way I'm gonna say this, that you just realize right now, I need Jesus in my life. I wanna lead you in a simple prayer. After I count down from three, I'm just gonna go three, two, and one. And at one, just to give you an opportunity in a moment and time and space to raise your hand. You'll say, you're raising your hand. Pastor, pray for me today. I wanna receive Jesus. I'm ready. I'm ready. In three, this is your Sunday, two, and one. Is there anyone in the room? Just raise your hand and say, I th thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate you taking that bold step right now. Thank you. Anyone else today? Yeah, we always get pretty happy about this. <laughs> harvest with our heads bowed and our eyes closed and just as a couple of people have responded today precious people saying today's their day to receive Jesus let's support them as they pray this prayer we're all praying it together dear Jesus, thank you that you love me I receive your life into me today I repent of my sin I'm not going my way anymore. I'm going your way. Eternal life is mine. Thank you. Thank you for washing me. Thank you for today, a new beginning with you. Today, I thank you, Jesus. I receive it. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we believe you're born again. You've received Jesus online. You can text, I've made the decision. Would you stand with us this morning just before we're dismissed?
a prayer team that would love to partner with you in prayer this morning. If you have a need, any need at all, we want to pray and believe for a miracle. If you raised your hand today, we'd love to just get to know you a little bit more. We have a gift for you. It's a Bible. If you raised your hand today, just find someone in a black shirt and identify yourself and say, I made a decision today, and they would love to give you a Bible today. Remember, next Sunday, we have Ryan and Brittany Brink speaking. Um, we get to take a vacation. Woo! <laughs> we're actually, pray for us. We're away with our kids and our grandkids, and um, we're really excited. We really believe it's going to be Pray for us because we're going to be with our kids and our grandkids, or pray for us because well, we're going to be on vacation? Well, it could be a little bit of both. Okay. <laughs> pray for us. <laughs> no, we just, we're really believing for, believe a, in God for a, a, great time. A, an amazing time yeah. away with a our holy, kids. and anointed yeah. time. So, uh, Ryan and Brittany, and next Sunday after service, they're sledding. Uh, they're going tobogganing at the Long Sioux Hill. If we keep this warm weather, I don't know what's going to happen. So We won't have um, to worry about it. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> wow, you're on a roll this morning. <laughs> I am. thought I wrote your notes. <laughs> I'm glad too. <laughs> Father, we just thank you this morning, God. Uh, Father, we just thank you for words, God, that challenge us. Father, just challenge us this week as we leave. Father, um, I just pray a blessing over every person. Every heart. As they go out, just protect them, keep them healthy and safe. And Father, bring us all back together next week. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless. bless you. Have an amazing week.